Please join me in prayer. Father, I just thank you for your mercy. You're so good. You know, in the time of trouble, Lord, we, we ask a simple question. What are you doing? And I, and I thank you that you have chosen to sift us. This is a time of shaking, and I, I just want to acknowledge your lordship in the midst of this and thank you for it. Uh, because we know all this turns towards good. This is about an eternal reality. And so I just want to thank you in advance for all of us. We've come here to receive your word this evening. I ask that you would speak clearly to us. That you would encourage us and strengthen us and give us wisdom and strategy for the days ahead. And I just bless your name. And I thank you. Um, this is going to sound weird, Lord, after what Paula just said, but I have so enjoyed this year. <laughs> thank you for your mercy in the midst of it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. That's because you're way more spiritual than you. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Turn with me to Psalms chapter 12, would you? Psalms chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Thank you, Kelly. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, as I share with you guys, uh, I want to explain the process of how the Lord gets me into a place here. Um, I'm So my daily Bible reading, as Paul was saying, or she was saying, read a scripture a day to keep the devil away and all that fun stuff. What I do is um, I realize that the issues in my heart are where God wants to speak to me. So whatever I'm thinking about or struggling with, God's word speaks to that. And so I find myself just pouring over things. And as I do, I believe that God lights upon certain scriptures and says, this is daily bread for you. Or the daily bread that I've given you, this I want you to turn into prayer to me. And so God's word is really alive and active. And, and Paul kind of sent me a message and said, well, what are you going to cover? And I'm, I'm afraid to send her titles anymore because... Um, <laughs> She's like, well, what is that? And so what we're going to be doing this evening is we're going to learn to trust God's word. How do we learn to trust God's word? And this is what we see here in Psalms 12, verse 6 and 7. So let's read it real quick, closely here. It said, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, filtered seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will protect him from this generation forever. Now, what's interesting is in most people don't realize that anytime there's a sifting in your own personal life or in a nation, God is taking people through a process in their pursuit of what the word is like. Do you believe the word? What, how, what's the word doing in your life? Can you trust God's word? And here in the scripture, we, we now have the writer of the Psalms telling us what God's word is actually like in your life. And you guys realize that as you walk with the Lord, God's word is going to be tested in your life constantly. It's just the way it is. A fallen world, God has promised you certain things, but the only way you know promises are real is they have to be sifted and tested in your life. I don't know if you guys are like me. I like reading scriptures about all the good things that God has. And then I say, yeah, but don't test me. <laughs> just, just let me kind of live in the Bahamas and enjoy life and just kind of go out into the beach every day. And I'll just, I'll believe what I read in the word, but don't ever make me have to see if I actually can stand through something in the word. And yet God is saying his word can be trusted. 
And so let's work through the processes. The words of the Lord are pure words. Now, purity in the Hebrew has different meanings. It could be ceremonial, like a religious thing. It could be an ethical thing, but the word pure here actually means the words of God are clean, which means they're unfiltered. So why is God telling us, why is he using the word clean or unfiltered with elements? If God's word is clean and it has no elements in it, what is he trying to communicate to us? There's no uh, vagueness about it. There's no deception with it. God's word, when it is spoken, is pure in the sense that it's not. it doesn't beat around the bush. It is very specific. And when God says, I am going to do this, he's going to do it. There, there is nothing that we need to be inside ourselves that makes us worry about God's word towards us. Now, when I say that, most of you are saying, yeah, but I'm taking God's word in this situation, and then it didn't prove out. How could that be? Now, I, I don't think you guys are going to drive up to Woodland Park, but I'm going to cover another part of God's character tomorrow about God making a promise to Abraham. And I want to say this. God's word is pure to you when God is your source. Anytime you turn to another source and you tell God to make his word pure to you, but you're going to trust another source, he can't fulfill his word to you because you've disconnected from the source of the pure word. And whatever you embrace that is not the source of the Lord, you've turned that into an idol in your life, and God will show you that that idol has no strength to deliver you from anything. Yeah. Preach it, Brian. Oh, thank you. I was wondering if you guys are with me after yeah. saying this. Yeah. So I want you to understand something. When God makes promises to you, they're not, I might do it or I might not do it. The only thing that keeps a promise of God from being fulfilled in your life is you're turning to something else and you're saying, well, God, fulfill your word, but I actually trust this as God in my life. So what are we in, uh, you know, I'm just going to make it current, even though this is going to go on for years, what I'm talking about is going to go on for years, but currently, right now, what are you trusting in, in your life right now? Are you trusting, and we always throw it out, are you trusting your relationships? Are you trusting the government? Are you trusting your finances? Are you trusting your ability to do something? Are you trusting your job to provide for it? What are you trusting in? What you trust in is what you turn to as a source, and you say, that should be a pure word to me. And because it fails, then you think, well, then God must have failed me. That is never the case. But if you have something that you're looking to as a source, and then you say, why is God not fulfilling his word? He's going to allow that to be shaken, so you quit trusting that, or putting that in place to a pure word of the Lord to you. God will not let his word... And we'll go through different words that he gives us. God will not let his word be void of power accomplishing what he's purposed in his heart. But you have to develop a correct relationship with his word. And are you guys like I am? I always want to have a backup plan if the word doesn't work. And so God says, well, what I have to do is actually have to strip all your backup plans so that you trust only me and my word. Because I'm trying to prove something to you. You can trust my word. Now, how many of you had everything stripped away from you, and now you have to trust God? And you think, boy, this is uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because you've, you've put too many things around you thinking those things can sustain you, and they cannot. God's word can. So the Bible's sitting there telling you his word is pure. You can trust this. 
All right, so let's keep going. And then it describes how God's word is pure. It says, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, filtered seven times. Now, this is an interesting statement. Have any of you ever watched them separate elements? I was watching um, a video recently, because I was getting ready for this, of a guy taking um, silverware and melting it down to get pure silver. And, you know, um, different elements have different weight. And so when you put fire to them, they separate. The ones that don't have any uh, stability or weight to them, they float to the surface and they have no value, and so we skim them off. Now, it says here, God's word is pure, and then it says it's like silver refined in a furnace. Why is it telling us this? Because silver is a dense weight, and it goes to the bottom of something, and it has great value. But do you see the process? It says, how do you know God's word is pure? It's going to equate it to like melting down silver, and silver has to go through a fire to prove the word and the density of the word. And then it says, filtered seven times. Now, why? Why do we need to have this seven? Why didn't you just say it was filtered? Why do we have to have seven perfect. times? Well, it's the word, it's the symbol for perfection, but did you guys know there's only seven tests in the Bible, and we revisit them constantly to prove God's word in our life? There's only seven tests. Now, I know some of you are saying in your head, well, I've gone through so many different tests, it feels like five million. No, there's basically only, in categories, seven different tests in Scripture. I'm going to give them to you here real quick, if I can make sure I can find them. First one is this, just for your information. Each one of these are a test of God's word in your life. First, let me say something about the fire of any trial that we are going through. What is the purpose from God's perspective of the trial? Now, I ask people this all the time. And I used to ask myself this, what's the reason for this? And I always used to think, well, God just wants to see how, how much junk I can put up with before I go to heaven. Do you guys think like that? No. Nope. Okay, so no one else does. Well, it just shows you my spirituality. I just thought that way last week. How much time can I put up? The purpose of a test, any, I'm going to give you all seven. The purpose of each one is to what? Reveal your heart that you're trusting in something. It's a refining process, and it's a deepening process so that you can hang on to God and when you come through the other side, you don't, you don't just say, I've just survived. You actually have been lifted into a higher relational experience with the Lord. Your faith has grown. So the purpose of them is not to destroy you. It's to get dross out of you so that you can trust God at a deeper level as you go through it. But please don't forget, it's not the process of the trial that deepens God in you. It's the process of the trial when you turn to the Lord and trust his word. It isn't just the trial itself. Humanity is going through trials all the time, and they don't get anything out of it except this, this stinks. We're in the middle of a trial right now. God is saying, I'm trying to purify something in you. Turn to me and let me give you words. I want you to grab onto those things. Nations are changed by words from the Lord. You guys, that, that whole thing we saw about John Wesley, uh, I came out of the Methodist movement. We had to study him all the time. Do you know he got a word from the Lord that the earth was his parish? And that word was tested and tested. The church persecuted him. The society persecuted him. And he changed England by that word he got from the Lord. 
Okay, so what's the first trial? What's one of the siftings of the sieve? It's called the character test. I'm not going to, uh, we're not here teaching on trials, so I'm just going to give it to you. Character test, God is going to see if you depend on the flesh or his word in your life. What's, what does it mean to test, uh, trust the flesh, by the way? It means your desires, your appetites. Do you trust that more than you do the word of God in your life? Do you the desire of pleasure over anything else? The next one's called a motivational test. And this, this is, am I going to line myself up with my motivations towards what God's word says, or am I going to be motivated by something else? And so God lets a fire come through your motivations so that he can show you this is what you're trusting, and this is what you are and what you're not trusting. And the next one is this. It's called the servant test. God's word commands you to you and I to be a servant, and so he tests us through a fire. Will you serve when no one's paying attention, no one's clapping, no one's there? He's testing his word inside of you. If you pass the test, you become a servant. Your life is blessed. The next one, this is the one that most people talk about. You have a wilderness test. What's the purpose of a wilderness test? God says something to you and chaos breaks off in your life. Everything goes dark. You wonder, where is God in the middle of it? And he's trying to say, can you hold on to that word even though everything going on in your life is falling apart? Now, this is the one that most everyone thinks this is the one I do all the time. Not me, but everybody. We just all go through the wilderness. No, it's a specific test. You know it when it's there. The next one is this. A misunderstanding test. This is where uh, God has spoken something to you or people, your relationships come into a misunderstanding and there's all this kind of conflict and God is saying, could you hold on to my word as though even though everyone's being hard on you and there's misunderstanding in relationships and the things that you've trusted in, are you willing to hang on to my word in the middle of that to see me rise up and show you that I can even resolve conflicts and misunderstandings and the call that I have for your life, you will actually reach it. Next one is called the warfare test. Now, uh, we either talk about the wilderness test or we talk about warfare. What's the purpose of the warfare test? The enemy is trying to tell you that he's taking his nature and casting it on the Lord and says, when God gives words, he lies. And he comes at you with that to tell you, God will not be faithful to his word to you. And the whole warfare is to stand against that and rise up as a believer. And that's why we proclaim things and we say things. And we believe that God will do it because we actually believe God is not a liar. And that purifying process gets our will aligned with his will. Where we, When we say we're going to do things, we're going to do it because he does things when he promises it. And let's see. That's the last one, I think. Hopefully that was seven. Six. Okay. There's one other. I left it out. Oh, it's the time test. Uh, God actually takes you through a time test with his word. With the thing that he spoke to you, will he do it? All right. Now let's take the word words here. God's, the words of the Lord are pure words. They're like silver refined in the furnace of the ground, filtered seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. So what are these words? What's the Hebrew word for word here? It's commands. God's, it could be commands, promises, prophetic words. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the category of how God speaks to us, and I want to make sure we get each one of them here. When God speaks to you, it's actually interesting. The Hebrew word for say, speak, and prophecy is the word debar in Hebrew, and it basically means speak. So God speaks. So when God speaks, it's a command. 
It's also a promise. It's also a prophetic word. It, it has the element of all of that. Which is, why is that so important? Because one, it reflects his nature. God's words reflect God's nature. It reflects God's promises to you. And it reflects God's ability do it, to do it beyond your circumstance. That's why promises are so beautiful in Scripture. And the command of the Lord is pure and it satisfies the soul because it reflects the nature of God. And then you get to see the power of God. And when all circumstances don't work out the way you think, God actually rescues you and shows you, I'm not going to let my word come back to me void. I'm going to do this thing. And you guys have words right now that God has spoken to you. And you're going, where's the fulfillment of this thing? What, are, what is God doing to us in all of this? So I'm going to give you one. How many of you have encounters with the Lord? The Lord shows you something, and your first response is, I don't believe it. The second response is, that's too good for me. Who do I think I am? Or third, how in the world is that going to happen? Did any of you ever have those responses when God speaks? I'm uh, actually in Bible college in Colorado Springs one day, and I'm sitting in a world missions class. And our professor's starting to explain world missions, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to be a missionary. I don't care about all this. And he's just kind of going over all this stuff. And before each class, we're praying. And I have this prayer time. I put my head down, and I'm praying. And I'm seeing myself stand before this crowd of 30,000 people in another nation preaching the gospel. And I thought, huh, is that me full of vain imagination and just full of myself? And so instead of going, yeah, that would be fun, Lord, I just went, I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy from Pueblo, Colorado. People from Pueblo don't ever do anything. <laughs> and so... Who do I think I am? That's a vain imagination. I'm just going, and I literally just blew it off. Just, and I mean, it was detailed information. I, I knew exactly what it looked like, all that other stuff. Boy, I was in my 20s. So 25 years, they're almost 30 years later. I'm in Africa with Joe over there, and um, they had just done. We were there doing. Um, we were following this evangelist around, and he was doing. Um, his evangelistic ministry was he would gather in the park the whole entire cities to come and he would do what was called living parables where he would sing the parables of the Lord to draw a crowd. And then our group would get up and preach the gospel. Right? So, and the way that the Africans make a stage is really kind of funny. They don't really build them well. I mean, when you get on them, they actually shake because you wonder if it's going to collapse on you. And they built this one. It was like, uh, I think about... Was it like 12 feet off the ground or something like that? Right. It wasn't an easy, it was literally like trying to climb up to something and the thing's shaking as you're getting up there. And then you get up there and you think, well, I'm either going to preach the gospel or everybody's going to go, ooh, look how that thing fell on top of him as it was collapsing. So we're standing up there and I'm looking out at the crowd and the interpreter's going, are you ready? And all of a sudden, this encounter hits me. I go back to when I was in that classroom, and the Lord shows me, guys, I had for, totally forgotten about that, and he showed me that exact vision again, and then he had a conversation with me. And he said, my words never fail. You didn't even believe it, and I still did it in your life. You didn't even accept that that was my word, but my word doesn't fail. <laughs> I stood there. I almost, I, everyone's looking at me trying to get ready to start. I couldn't talk. I was just sh struck by 
gosh, I didn't even pay attention to it. I didn't even pray about it. I didn't even think about it beyond just going, how could that be, Lord? And here I'm standing on a stage almost 30 years later, and it's happening. So God's word, now this is the best part, every word that God gives you, a word he speaks to you, a promise in scripture, or a prophetic word he gives you, it is a fire inside of you to bring it about. So most people think trials are what's going on out here. Trials, any problem we're dealing with out in the natural is to awaken a fire of a word that God has given it so that it can come to the surface. When you guys go through trials, let me just kind of give it what, how I work through a trial. When I get a trial, I get before the Lord and go, what's the word for this trial? Show me it in scripture. Show it to me through a prophetic word. Give me a promise. And God begins to, I wait, you guys, I wait on God's word because I realize until I get his word, I'm not going to have a challenge to rise up. I'm not going to see a victory, and my source is in trusting myself. So when God gives you this stuff, realize he's released a burning inside of you to clear all the dross that keeps that word from being fulfilled in your life. When on a very fun day after I graduated from Bible college, I'm asking the Lord, what am I supposed to be doing with my life. Isn't that funny? I just went through Bible college. You'd think it'd be obvious. I'm supposed to go plant a church. I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And the Lord basically says, well, Brian, here's what's going to happen. You're going to move to Kansas City. It's time for you to actually grow up, which I thought that was kind of insulting. I thought I already was growing up. It's time for you to grow up, and I'm going to send you out there, and I'm going to equip you. And he, and he starts giving me all these promises, and then he says, to, to show you that it was me that gave you this word, when you get home, your wife's going to grab you. She's going to throw you in a chair and say, the Lord woke me up and told me we're supposed to move to Kansas City. I saw that in a vision. I thought, yeah. You guys ready? I don't, I don't know if I encourage you or discourage you. A lot of times when God talks to me, I'm like, I don't see how that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys are. I mean, yeah. wow. I mean, that really, that's not just some thing. I mean, that's putting the rubber on the road. God's saying, this is going to happen tonight. So I'm like, well, okay. I guess either it's going to happen. I didn't like, yeah, that's the Lord, and I prayed in tongues or anything else. I actually just kind of wallowed around in the sewage of unbelief. <laughs> Should I use that term? You can use sewage. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, I get home, and this has never happened. I mean, just talk about how weird it is. I walk in the door, and at the time, I was actually, I, I think you guys will find this funny. I used to deliver beer when I was in Bible college. What? I was so ashamed of that job. What? It's the only job I could get. And so, so I needed to feed my wife and my one daughter and I couldn't find any other job and a guy got me a job delivering beer. So I'm always at alcoholic shops and at bars delivering cakes and all this. And so I just hated this job. Anyways, and I'm coming home and I walk in the door and I, you know, I always smelled like alcohol on top of all this stuff. And so I walk in the door and my wife grabs me and threw me in a chair, and she goes, you'll never guess what happened to me. The exact thing the Lord told me. She says, you'll never guess what happened to me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just shocked. What? He woke me up and said, we're to move to Kansas City, 
He said, it's time for you to grow up. And he gave me a promise that if we will be faithful, I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. If we will be faithful, we will never go without you having a job out in Kansas City. Now, you guys ready? When he gave me that word, that, that's never happened before at that time in my life, I quit the next day on my job. I thought, well, what other kind of confirmations do I need? Man, try to go from Colorado to Kansas City. I, I had to go in a month to get there. I had more things come against me in that month. My family not understanding, what are you doing quitting your job? You have a wife and a brand new baby. I mean, what are you thinking? And then they're, they're putting these weird restrictions on me, like, well, God should give you $50,000 before you go right now. And they're putting all this stuff on me that God didn't say, I'm having the church beat up on I me. Mean, you think? Who do you think you are? I mean, doesn't this sound like a blessing? <laughs> so what is that? When God gives a word, he gives it to you, not everybody else. And because that other person didn't get it, they don't understand it. It's not the spirit of revelation. You can't understand these things unless the Lord shows them to you. And you're, you and I are in, in what's called the community of unbelief until the Lord speaks. I can't believe something that God's told you because you got it by revelation. For me to understand that you got it, I have to have the spirit of revelation touch me. Just like you have to. So do you guys ever walk among each other and say to each other, you know, the Lord said this to me and we just look at each other like, huh. <laughs> well, the reason is... Is because God is going to allow his word to sift you. Would you stand with my word while everybody's challenging it? Mm. It's a burning. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. Okay. Then it says this. You, O Lord, will keep them, his words. And you will protect him from this generation forever. So let's take the word keep. God's word now, when God speaks it to you, it's a promise out of Scripture, a prophetic word. God makes a command to you. What he's actually telling you is two things. His word over you now becomes a refuge or a shelter, and he's now going to protect you and that word until he accomplishes it. Remember, he doesn't send out his word unless it comes back to him fulfilled. So that means that any element that's going to challenge that word, he now is going to rise up, and he's going to challenge that element so that that word gets fulfilled in your life. The, let's take um, the idea of the promises of God. So all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen in Christ, right? Yeah. So that means the promise of God spoke to Abraham, they're yours. But what's going to happen is God's going to have you take that promise and it's going to become a place of pleading, and what I mean by pleading is it's a petition place. You told me this word, fulfill it. And what God is making you do with the word is encourage yourself in the word so that he can rise up. And, and the scripture the Lord was giving me in regard to this is once you use that word as a word that you petition back to the Lord, he rises up and the battle be becomes the Lord's, not yours, to fulfill that word. You're to enjoy the word, let the word nurture you while he fights every battle that keeps you from seeing that word fulfilled in your life. He takes it on mm -hmm. and defeats it so that it can be fulfilled. That's why the people that talk about God's word sit here and say, God can actually protect you with his word. He keeps you with his word. Your process is to ready to enjoy the word and realize that you are under the shelter of of God's protection because his word will not return void. It will accomplish 
says, and he will protect you from this generation. So now it's saying that God's word is so strong, it doesn't matter how wicked a generation is, God's word will protect you. Amen. Oh, thank you. So wondering where everybody was at on that. God's word will protect you. And so, think about this. We talk this way. I, I talk this way. I watch us talk this way. People say, yeah, God promised me this, but everything in my life is in total chaos. As though somehow all that means God's not going to be faithful to his word. When he, this is what I love about the word of God. Why he calls us to be people that enjoy the word of the Lord is he's going to prove to you that anything that he's promised you, anything he's spoken to you, you can get to the point where you become so trusting in God's ability to do it that all of a sudden you live, you come into a level of walking in the kingdom. We're all trying to understand how Jesus gets us there. But you get to a place where you settle in your trust of the Lord and you look at circumstances and you define the circumstances by God's word, not God's word by your circumstances. Amen. And so uh, God gives me a word that something's going to happen and chaos breaks up. I begin to what? Laugh at it. Oh, look how stupid the enemy thinks he is doing this to him. God is going to be faithful to him. Now, you have to go through this 10,000 times, and then at 10,001, you start figuring it out. Oh, wait a minute. God has been consistent. This is, you guys, this is why God tells Old Testament prophets and people in the Old Testament, remind yourself of God's word in your life. Because when you keep remembering the victories of God in your life, it settles you, and it brings you into a different kind of existence that God is wanting with you with his word. What is it? You're not shaken by everything that everybody else is shaken by because you're sturdy into an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. And because that kingdom can't be shaken, you can't be shaken. Amen. I keep, um, so I'm going to give you this last thought. I keep wondering why the Lord keeps bringing me back to this when I teach on the Word of God. Um, several years ago, um, my mother-in-law just passed away a couple years ago. And the year before she passed away, we needed to come out to Colorado more often. My wife had to come out more often, and she ended up staying for a couple months with her mom. And it was just, it was um, kind of intense. And then she, my mother-in-law passed away. When she passed away, we ended up becoming the people that had to resolve her will and, and resolve all these problems and stuff. And so... Not only was I coming out here to do this, I'd have to go down to Pueblo and, and do a bunch of construction and clean up a house and talk to lawyers. And, and so I just had more stuff going on at that time. And a church in Denver got a hold of me and they said, it, it was one of the months I was out here, they said, hey, well, Brian, would you mind uh, coming up an extra day and, and we want to take you to this church on the uh, west side of Denver and would you be willing to minister to all the leaders in the church? Um, if you guys know my, my background, Carla would know this, and you guys would probably know this. A lot of times because people perceive me as being either prophetic or pathetic, I can't figure out which one it is, I'm always called to go minister to leaders in meetings. And what everybody does is I ask them, well, how many people do you want me to pray for? And they said, eight. Okay, so I drive home. I had to actually drive all the way to Pueblo and then drive back up to Denver the next day. So I drive down to Pueblo. I get there about 11 o'clock at night. Um, um, 
All the beds had left the house because we were selling them in an auction, so I had to sleep on the floor. Have you guys done that recently? It's really a lot of fun. And I didn't have a pillow on top of it, so I'm on this, this really weird hardwood floor with a blanket, and I'm kind of looking out the window, and I'm like, well, this is going to be a really restful night. And I just, I kind of rolled around and, let, and, and got my neck into a position where I was in extreme pain, so I woke up with a headache. All right, so I'm up at four in the morning, and I'm getting dressed, and I'm driving all the way back up to Denver so I can meet a group of people around six or seven o'clock so we can drive over to the other side of town so I get to minister to a group of people. So on the way up there, I'm not really praying God give me words. It's more like, please give me strength and help me get over my headache. Mm -hmm. So I meet the, the these pastors. They put me in their car, and they're driving me there, and they're just talking about whatever they were talking about. And we get into the meeting. And there's only supposed to be eight people. It's supposed to take me, what, less than an hour? Eighty people showed up. <laughs> I always love when people do that. Eight, and then it's eighty. So, okay, so now it's time to do it. So I'm now starting to pray for different people in the room. And finally, God, uh, the joy of the Lord started showing up. And as it was showing up, it started becoming fun to do it. I finally got out of, I'm tired and I have a headache. And God really started loving on people. And I'm praying for one person, and I'm getting down to my last three, and I'm looking at the next person I have to pray for. I'm giving this person words. I don't, it's hard to describe how this works. I'm giving this person words, but God's having me give them a word while he's giving me a word for the next person I'm going to pray for. So I'm having to hear both at the same mm. time. Wow. Does that sound like fun to you guys? Yeah. Okay. So I'm giving this one person a word, and I realize we're wrapping up, and, and I'm, it's a woman. And everybody intentionally told me before I started, we're not going to tell you anything about us so that the words aren't tainted. Isn't that cute? So I don't know who anybody is. I don't know if they're on staff or they're not on staff. And I'm looking at this woman, and I start hearing this song in my head. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And, and the Lord said, now, I want you to sing that to this lady. And, I, and I'm still finishing praying for this lady, and I'm going, no, I'm not going to sing that to this lady. <laughs> if you want to hear someone put their fingers in their ears and, and scream, a demon's doing something. This happens singing prophetic songs over people. So the Lord said, no, it's really important that you sing this song. And so what did I do? I went down. I looked at the lady and I said, hey, I'm really, I'm, I'm having a struggle here. And the struggle is not with the word, but what God's asking me to do. And I said, he's telling me to sing this song over you. So I'm just going to say the song. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be disobedient, but I don't want you um, screaming in terror. I want to get this word across to you. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? So I'm, I'm starting. I said, oh, here's what the Lord gave me. You are his sunshine, his only sunshine. You make him happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Don't take my sunshine away. I'm trying to say that to her. She screams. <laughs> I don't understand people when it comes to this. <laughs> ah! And then just cries and collapses on the ground. And I thought, nah, I didn't even sing to you and you did that. <laughs> so now she's just, she's a mess. I mean, she's not just crying, she's howling. It's like, it was like a, an, uh, an animal had been wounded and they were actually having surgery done on them. I mean, that's how intense her scream was. And I'm like, oh my. <laughs> I said, well, I'll probably never minister at this church again. And then I find out, so now a bunch of women are gathering around her, and they're taking her out of the room. And I said, by the way, who is, who is the woman? And they said, well, that was the pastor's wife. <laughs> oh, well, 
Glory, hallelujah. That'll be my last time here. And so I have to pray for the last person, and then they're going to take me to lunch. And we're at lunch, and I'm, I'm like, well, I wonder if the pastor's going to have a conversation with me about this. Well, one of the ministry assistants comes and says, hey, I know that we all kind of left the room with her, and um, all that stuff was going on, and we really didn't talk to you about it. She said, I'd like to reflect back to you what's going on here. And I said, yeah, that's fine. She said, the pastor's wife was abused by her father when she was growing up. And he never expressed love to her, wasn't ever there for her. Last night, her husband, the pastor of the church, was going into each one of his kids' bedrooms. And instead of praying for him, he decided to sing his song to And his wife watched him walk into his daughter's room, and he started singing this song, You Are My Sunshine, My Only Sunshine. You make me happy. <laughs> Those guys are great. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Don't take my sunshine away. He's singing that to his daughter. And she says in her heart, I wish I had a dad that would have sung a song like that. <laughs> okay. Do you see how powerful God's word is? He has to take a broken down guy from Pueblo, Colorado that didn't get a good night's sleep. He has to fight with him to get his word released. And when he released that word, she got broken out of a lifestyle of shame and depression from that word from the Lord. That's how powerful that God's words are to us. Now would you guys join me in receiving I thank you for your word to us, O oh God. I thank you that the beauty of it and the majesty of the fire of it. I thank you for the protection that comes from it. I thank you that you've called us to be a people that hang on to these words and then we gain victory because of you. I ask that your tender mercy would draw near to us in words that you have spoken. And that the fire of them would be released inside of us again. You will not fail us, O oh God. It's not up to us. It's just the, the realization of who you are. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Carla, would you stand, please? You mind just putting out your hands like it's Christmas time? Lord wanted me to just share a couple concepts with you. One, I saw you walking um, down this dirt road, and there was, um, it was kind of unusual. It was like this spring of water started shooting out of the ground, and as you got closer to the spring of water, it wasn't just a spring of water shooting out, it was illuminated. And so there was like a light coming out from, and it was a, a, a geyser, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, what is that, oh God? And he wanted me to start by saying this. What, what was intended for evil, God is going to turn towards good in your life. And he's telling me that that spring of water has not been diminished of what God's hand is on you for. And then I saw, I saw you in a tent with the Lord. I thought it was kind of an interesting illustration. In the Chronicles of Narnia, the kids had to go into a tent with Aslan, and Aslan had to roar over them. And then their identity got 
affirmed to him, and they became awoken to become a warrior. Mm. And the Lord told me to tell you this. You now are going to come into a season of being in a tent with the Lord, and the Lord is going to roar over you again, and you're going to pick up a spear that God has called you to be because you're like a Deborah in the kingdom of the Lord. And God is going to make you learn to fight your battles and gain victory in ways that you've never seen before because he's called you to raise up a group of handmaidens to the Lord that actually will serve the Lord with vengeance and fire and see a lot of people set free and delivered. So can we pray for that over your life? So Holy Spirit, come right now. Release your presence and your power. And I don't care what's going on in the natural. I break the power of any influence that keeps her from believing you are not for her. You will turn all things towards good, and I command the Father's blessing upon you right now. Now awaken the fresh stream of water inside of her. Let it course through her again, and let her come and know you as a warrior. And let, and really, let kind of like a Deborah anointing come upon Carla right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shake off the weariness, shake off the the misunderstanding, shake off the situations that have caused her to become weary. And strengthen her by the power of your love and your might right now, Lord. And I ask that vision would be restored to her and a fresh cleansing would come over her heart and her mind right now. Awaken the living word inside of her right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I bless what you're doing inside of her, Lord. Strengthen her, love her, and bring her into the tent of awakening in identity and love right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We just bless your name. You are good. Your mercies will endure forever, and you will fail her not. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so the Lord's going to minister to you for a while, Carla. Just enjoy it. If you want to roll around on the ground, please feel free. (laughs) Uh, The rest of you receive the blessing of the Lord. Holy Spirit, come right now. Now, Lord, let let the nurture of your presence, your Father's embrace, rest upon us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.